0: Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Tuesday, November 7th. If you have not done so already, please go vote. It is your civic duty. No complaining if you don't vote. And I mean in every one of those elections. I know. It's a pain in the butt. Maybe you haven't done it. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. Okay, I already voted. I love early voting. If you have a financial question, If you're pondering a change in your life, you should get in touch with us. Go to JillOnMoney.com, click the contact us button. Let us know if you'd like to join us on the air live because you know what? That's how we roll. We love to talk to you live and we are so happy when you join us. Again, JillOnMoney.com, click the contact us button while you're on the website. All sorts of content lives there, a lot of free stuff. We have the blog section, we have the free weekly newsletter, we have our radio show, we have videos, we have resources, but maybe you've got a little bit of extra money. You know, I don't know, you have 80 bucks on hand? Two ideas. One is you can buy my book, The Great Money Reset, which is a real helpful guide if you're contemplating a big shift in your life or you want to know the framework to consider whether a big shift makes sense. The other way to spend the money is to join our service called Jill on Money Live, which is a way that you will have access to quarterly live webinars and more special bonus content like video conversations with authors and all around cool people. Uh, by the way, our next webinar, Year End and Tax Planning with Certified Financial Planner Dan Forbes. Check it out. All right. Uh, we got to do some emails. They keep piling up and boy, I, I hate when I get behind and Mark hates it even more. Here is a note from Cindy who says she's going to retire in two years. This is exciting. I'm already excited. I'll be 53 at the end of the year. My husband is 54 and I will retire at the end of 2025. Oh my gosh, at the age of 55. Of course, it's from the Federal Bureau of Prisons. So who am I to say don't actually retire early? Because that sounds like a very hard job. Okay, Cindy goes on to write, Because it's law enforcement, I get to retire early, and I am eager to do so. I will also get health benefits. I'm a forensic psychologist, and I plan to do some part-time work afterwards. We will soon receive a 25% bonus retention, which will bump up my salary to $177,000 for my last two years on the job. That's amazing. That's a lot of money. I mean, you probably can't pay people enough to take that job. It sounds like a hard job. Husband is a bus drive, school bus driver, earns 30 grand. No kids, house is paid off. It's worth $600,000. The car loan that exists will be paid off in two years. That's great. My pension will be roughly $63,000 net, and it has a survivor benefit of 50% of that for my husband. He has a small pension, which will begin at age 60, about $5,000. My thrift savings plan balance is $1.1 million. A year ago, I switched to the Roth uh, TSP. Briefly, I switched back after a reading. It may not be beneficial in my specific situation. All right, so $9,000 in Roth. Outside of that, in a Fidelity account, my husband has $200,000 in a rollover IRA, $500,000 in brokerage exchange-traded funds. They've got Roths, $110 each. They got no debt, and she's saving two dollars to $3,000 a month $50,000 in a high yield savings account and social security benefits at age 67 will be $3,500 husband's will be just under 2,000 and if she waits to age 70 her benefit for through social security goes up to $4,400 okay i think this is now the, the the end of the story is they purchase land they will build a custom home after she retires She owes, uh, they owe $19,000 on the land. It will be paid off in nine months. And the hope is that the sale of our current home will pay for that new house almost entirely. Haven't researched yet how this works with regard to loans and mortgages. Since it's on two acres, there are extras like well and septic to pay for. As I noted earlier, I plan to work part-time after retirement and with my skill set and perhaps luck and fortune, I should be able to charge about $350 to $400 an hour for her services, not guaranteed. Okay, you ready for the questions? Here we go. For my last two years at work and with that large retention bonus, should I switch to the Roth Thrift Savings Plan? Also, since age 50, I've been contributing the maximum with a catch-up, which you know is $30,000 this year. Should I dial that back to keep more cash on hand for the upcoming custom house construction? I've been reading it's a good time to have 20% of those construction costs available. Thank you so much. Okay. this is a, First of all, it's a great story. Um, yeah, I think that you really just need to kind of stop putting money in the retirement account. You you do have a bunch of money, which is great. You already have, uh, you know, both pre-tax and post-tax, but... I don't think it matters too much about the Roth. You have the money for this house. Remember, the money that you have is that you have in cash is one thing, but you have $500,000 in your brokerage exchange traded funds. So, I think that the $2500 that you have a month in excess, I really think should go into the high yield savings for now and, you know, maybe part of that high yield savings just to protect yourself since you know that in 2 years you're going to start this project. I might just lock it down and put it into a CD and then keep replenishing it. You're going to need some money to actually build this house and then you'll get a construction loan and then you will end up paying off that construction loan with the sale of your own house. But it's going to be, you're going to have like a little bridge where you need to actually have money to pay for it. And so I think that, you know, this two-year time horizon is is a good one. But I do think that, building up cash is probably smart. Just don't rely on the high yield savings to do the heavy lifting and paying as much on those accounts, because maybe in two years, the you know, you're not going to be making as much interest. So maybe it's actually smarter to do this as a, you know, like a preventative of like the interest rates changing on you. So, you know, it's sort of like a good news, bad news. Like if interest rates went down, it'll be easier to get a construction loan. The bad news is you get paid less on your cash, but you're in great shape. It's amazing. I love the plan. Give me a holler if you have a further um, question that pops up for you. Okay. This is from Stephanie. She writes, I read your recent article in the Hartford Current my daughter is paying off graduate school direct federal loans through her loan administrator. Stephanie says she's inquired through the loan administrator, but she wants my input. She said she is looking to pay her loan off early and she's paying significantly more than the required amount. She's been doing this for the past year or two and continued payments through the COVID pandemic forbearance period. She has been paying her loan for approximately five years And is hoping to have it paid off within the next three. She works for a not-for-profit hospital that does qualify her for public service loan forgiveness. Aha! Given the years paid in, the fact that she is able to pay more than the monthly amount and that she will likely not have the loan for 10 years, our main question is whether she should apply for any of these iterations of income-driven repayment, you, you know what you don't. I don't think she should apply for any of the for income-driven repayment because that would really be to reduce the monthly amount. The public school loan forgiveness is going to be some work because what it would mean is she would have to stop paying the more the the higher amount and hold the loan for ten years so that some portion of it gets forgiven. So part of this has to do with Will she still be with the nonprofit for these 10 years? That's what you really need to know. And if not, pay the loan off. That seems fine to me. I don't think she needs to change the loan because she's killing the loan. She's making it work for her. And based on the the pacing of this, uh, maybe she should just pay it off unless I'm missing something. Let me know. Okay. These are so funny, Mark, because now we're starting to get people who are like, Uh, Can I put a pool in? Can I do an addition? This is an addition question. Hi, Jill and Mark. Thanks so much for your podcast. We enjoy hearing your thoughtful and nuanced advice. This is from Noel. We would love to get your input on our situation. We are considering an addition remodel to our house because prices in our area have skyrocketed. So it really doesn't make sense to move, but we do need more space. This is a very common reframe. We've been told that a bonus room addition, full bath and kitchen, will be about two hundred fifty dollars to $300,000. Hmm, that sounds about right. We're 45 and 47. Husband works full-time. I work part-time. Combined income, $340,000 with an annual $75,000 bonus, which will net us an additional $40,000 after taxes. We have... 1.1 million dollars in 401Ks, 50,000 in a Roth IRA. 60,000 dollars in the kids' college funds. 160,000 in a high-yield savings, 84,000 in a brokerage. Our current home is worth about 650 to 700,000. It has been paid off for years. Hmm. That's interesting. I recently started working part-time. I make about $40,000 a year, so our cash flow is good. And we were comfortable before I started working. We've been saving the money from my paycheck. No debt. We anticipate needing to replace my 11-year-old car sometime in the next few years. My question, how would you fund this addition? Between our brokerage and cash, we have 244000 It would cover a lot of it. But... It's a little nerve wracking to drain those accounts, especially since we don't have an additional emergency fund set aside. Would you take out a loan or a home equity line of credit for part of it and pay part in cash, or use all $244 plus the $40,000 bonus coming in early next year, or a different scenario? I mean, there's no gun to your head to do this at some period of time. And it's not, I mean, I'm thinking that you really want to use the brokerage and the cash account for most of it, right? So remember, you got the two forty four. Then you're going to have the forty grand early next year. So now that's two eighty four, and you're saving money, right? So what I think maybe I would do is you can certainly take a home equity line of credit out on the house. Maybe just have establish the line for a hundred thousand. See what the pricing is of this. You aren't going to spend all of the money at once. It will be dribbling out over time, and maybe you have that as a stopgap measure but i would really try to fund it out of cash flow and your savings do you and and you know look if you you leave yourself with some money at the end of the day but i really think that for you guys you have the money you got to use the money this is what it's for because the cost of money will be steep do you agree with that or disagree with that mark I agree, though I'm assuming the 160 in high-yield savings, some portion of that is going to represent their emergency reserve. So I would leave whatever that number is. I don't know. They know. I don't. Whatever that number is, leave that, but use the rest for sure. Yeah, I'm thinking that you probably leave 50, and then from there you replenish and pay out of cash flow, and I think that's fine. I think that's perfectly fine. We got a question, Mark, that I just want to end with. Um, It's a longer email, but at the end of the email, there is a real question about a second marriage and a will. And I want to be crystal clear that the answer to having a different opinion about how to divvy up one's estate, the answer to that question is not to do nothing. So I am going to encourage everybody that if you have any sort of disagreement about the way an estate is should be divided, um, whether it's a second marriage or first marriage, it doesn't matter. What I think is incredibly important in these conversations is to understand that assets that are left to kids are treated differently than between spouses. And if you want something very particular to happen, you have to put it down on paper. If you cannot find agreement, then maybe there might be other ways to to get to the same place. For example, if you have a big house, a house is just a pain in the neck to split up. So if it's that, you know, the house where somebody, you know, you, you own a home together and you say, oh, I want this to go to this kid or this kid. But it's actually easier to leave an asset like a retirement account because it passes by contract. Leaving a house is a pain in the neck to deal with for someone who's not a spouse. That's my two cents. All right, that's it. That is it. Don't forget to go out and vote today. Please, please, please. If you've got a financial question, just go to jillonmoney.com, click the Contact Us button, complete the form, let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air live with us. Check out all the content that lives at jillonmoney.com. That is it. That is your magic, magic website. And if you wouldn't mind... Leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. Lift somebody up. Change your work. Change your wealth. Change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.